now I feel it's safe to talk about that fateful night. Since the theory part of the course is to be taken in May, we encourage our students to finish their practical work by mid-February. From Christmas onward, cameras were being booked in all directions. And on the third week of January, every camera had been lent out for the weekend. Well, not every camera. Uh, You see, we had 20 Kodaks, which were numbered between 1 and 20, and all of those had been taken out. But we'd bought four new cameras of the same type, which had come on the Wednesday, and had not been leased out. We gave these the numbers 21, 22, 23, and 24. They were all on my desk when I locked up the office on Friday night. And upon returning to work the following Monday, all was as it should be. Except for one thing. That camera 23 had inexplicably gone missing. I knew no one else had entered my office over the weekend. Everything was as I left it except for the missing camera. And having bought the new cameras out of my own budget, I was the only person who knew about them. I was going to present them to the staff meeting that morning, but all I could do was explain the apparent theft of camera 23. We all expected someone to come clean eventually. After all, our only suspects were film students, not international jewel thieves. And after a stern word with each of my classes about the importance of returning equipment, all 20 cameras were back in my office by the end of the day. The following weekend, all 23 cameras still in my possession, including the other three new ones, which were borrowed and returned on the Monday. Now, camera 23 had now been gone for a week, so we agreed as a department that we were well within our rights to check the CCTV footage from the weekend that the camera went missing. I stated my intentions, I'd be the one checking through the footage, to all my classes that day. I gave all my students a final ultimatum, and, and has had been a ritual for the past week, every single student denied the theft of camera 23. At the end of the day, I was given the relevant security camera disc by the caretaker. 4 p.m. Friday, before I left, until 10 a.m. Monday, after lessons began, with a direct view of my office's front door. When I got back to my apartment, it was just starting to get dark, so... I opened a can of Fanta, booted up my laptop, and put the camera disc in. Scene showed a normal, quiet night on the Friday, and no life on the Saturday, except for members of a youth club simply walking to where they were meeting within college. Nothing freaky happened. Until I skipped to midnight, between Saturday and Sunday. Suddenly, static filled the camera's vision as if it were an old VHS camera. The static engulfed the screen for around a minute before it faded out into a rather peculiar image. A man was now staring directly at the camera. Uh, He was black, in his late 30s, and was bald. He had a heavy-set face, but I couldn't tell if he was obese or not because, well, I couldn't see his body. It was like a mugshot, but slightly closer up. He had demonic yellow eyes and and a fat, downturned nose that looked like a lemon. But the most disturbing thing about him, apart from his icy gaze, was the fact that he had no mouth. It wasn't even like it had been 
cut off. He literally had no mouth as if he were born that way. It was scary enough that someone had tampered with the CCTV footage to show this disturbing mute, but what I heard next was the single worst sound I have heard in all my life. A single crash. That cacophony of breaking glass made me scream like a demented baby, and covered me from head to toe in Fanta. I was more scared than I'd admittedly ever been. And slowly, I turned around to see that my window had been smashed by a blunt object, which I immediately found on the floor. It was a heavy Kodak camera bag with 23 written on a custom label. The camera 23. I was as relieved as I was scared shitless at this point. I checked inside the bag for any signs of damage, and strangely, the camera was in the exact same condition that I'd bought it in, but with one anomaly. See, the college doesn't provide SD cards to the students, nor did the camera come with one. So I shuddered when I opened the battery pack to find that the SD slot had been filled. It was a regular 10-speed SD card, thinking it could be evidence to catch my assailant, and still scarred by the sound of breaking glass and sticky with orange-flavored fizzy drink, I popped the SD card in the front of my laptop. I opened the DCIM folder to find three QuickTime files. Apprehensively, I double-clicked on the first one. The video began with the shot of an apartment building. And after about two minutes, the camera began slowly zooming in on one of the windows, which I realized looked into a bathroom. A young girl was taking a shower. She couldn't have been more than ten years old, having barely matured. I stopped watching out of pure disgust when I began to hear animalistic breathing from whoever was filming. My guts churned as I came to the startling realization that Camera 23 had been stolen by a voyeuristic pedophile. I was about to alert the authorities when, against my own better judgment, I realized I had a moral obligation to view the other two videos. Luckily, the second video was slightly more innocent. Slightly. It was the same girl from before, sitting on a sofa, this time fully clothed, specifically wearing a Minnie Mouse t-shirt and a denim skirt. She was talking about her life to the camera, being asked questions by a sleazy-sounding man behind the camera. The disturbing thing was that, while the content of their conversation was perfectly innocent, the video was set out like one of those interview segments at the beginning of online porn. I thought little of that as the video ended. And then I opened the third video. And and what I saw disturbed and shocked me out of my Fanta-drenched seat. The girl was now tied to a table, naked, with a single burning light glowing above her. She was screaming at the top of her lungs, and... And most disturbingly, her feet had been cut off with some kind of sharp object. Bloody pools replaced them as she continued to writhe in agony. Then a door opened from the other side of the room, and an obese, dark-skinned man walked in. I felt a sharp pain in my neck for a second as I realized that it was in fact the man who had stared at me before with the same piercing yellow eyes and lack of a mouth. 
Shockingly, he seemed to be wearing severed feet on his ears like... antlers. I froze when I put two and two together. I, I mean, what kind of perverted madman was this? I noticed that he was naked also, and the next thing he did scarred me in a way no other image could. He proceeded to repeatedly and forcefully jam his erect penis into the girl's left ear. I vomited, tore the SD card out of my computer, and drove with all the speed I could muster to the local police department. A few days later, I got a call from the local chief of police, and he said that the girl, who I won't name here, obviously, had been reported missing a few weeks earlier. I was told that she was murdered later in the video, and that her family were distraught, but thanked me for helping them uncover the mystery of their daughter's disappearance. I attended her funeral on principle and met with her family. This was by no means a happy ending for them, but I was humbled to have helped them achieve a degree of closure. A few mysteries still remain, though. The girl's body was never found, and the authorities were unable to identify the house that she was being interviewed in. The mystery that plagues me, though, is that the police still have no record of an obese, mouthless black man with shockingly yellow eyes. I'm worried that this... man... I'm not sure if I could even call him that... is still out there.